0: There are certain moments and words that shaped a new era in pro wrestling. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Bret screwed Bret. Die, Rocky die. Suck it! Introducing the Book of Wrestling, 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Tune in as we relive one of the most exciting, intense, and over-the-top times in WWE. With new interviews, with the voices that made the promos, calls, and catchphrases into history. Listen now.
1: It's the Full go, presented by FanDuel. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG.
0: This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower what's next? Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Chicago everywhere.
2: Check 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 it. Check it, check it. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original.
1: Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this podcast and you know nothing about what I do, well then, you know, thank you for hanging out with us, no matter what. But if you do know what I do, you know I work with two fantastic men, Uh, two dudes who have become my basketball OGs as well as my life OGs. Uh, NBC Sports Chicago allowed me to have an opportunity a couple of years back uh, to be the pre-post and halftime uh, host for the regional sports network coverage of Bulls basketball. And Kevin Cross and everybody uh, at the station allowed me to start a television career that I had no idea was going to start or how it was going to start. But I got a chance to do it with two of my favorite people not just in this city but as i look back on the time of me watching basketball uh will purdue obviously four-time nba champion three with the chicago bulls i grew up watching will experiencing uh the 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 greatest pleasures that a fan could possibly experience which is championship glory and i did it three times as as will purdue being one of the key cogs a, a rotational player a backup center and just, you know, one of the dudes, right? Like as a kid, Bobby Hanson, Cliff Levingston, JoJo English, like all the Stacey King, right? All these guys were my guys. They were just my guys in my basement in Evanston, right? And I, as, as I'm watching Johnny Red Kerr and Tom Doerr bring me everything I need, just pump it right into my veins as a basketball fan. Then I get a chance to grow up and, and do some things in this business and work with all these people. And now we have a chance to hear from these guys uncut uncensored raw uh whatever way they want to give it to us um as we as we wait for you know the the always fly always uh fashionably late uh kendall gill is will purdue for the time being of course my my other partner on nbc sports chicago and will i i can't wait till kg jumps on here because he sent me he sent me a direct message via instagram because we both noticed something uh, and it happened during the play-in game. By the way, thank God the Bulls aren't in the play-in, right? Like how, as a as a broadcaster, as a former Bull, how enthused are you that we didn't have to do what Cleveland and Brooklyn and and New Orleans and and all these other teams and cities have had to do in terms of worry about their playoff fate and have it displayed? Because you're getting to see people's warts for 82 games in a one-game scenario. So uh, the play-in tournament and, and, and your thoughts on it, and, and the Bulls missing it this year.
4: Well, I mean, I think it's a good idea. I mean, because it, it adds a little intrigue to, you know, the last two or three weeks of the season as as teams kind of, you know, start watching the standings and not just, you know, one, two, three, four, but also, you know, seven eight nine ten. 10. But I am considering how things ended for the Bulls and the way they played against Miami and Milwaukee and Boston. I'm glad they were not playing in a play in game. <laughs> um they have been pretty exciting we watched the timberwolves celebrate like they won the championship <laughs> and so i am curious if they're going to be able to recover from that emotionally as they prepare for their um trip back to the playoffs it'll be it'll, it'll be interesting i watched a lot of dancing on tables
1: yeah yeah <laughs> I t- Will, I'm sorry, man. I'm so glad you started there because if Kendall's ass was on time, I was going to hit you guys with the first question that I really wanted to talk to you guys about, (laughs) which is you're a champion and we're going to get Kendall's uh, opinion on this when when he jumps in. But (laughs) I'm sitting there watching it thinking, am I like, am I a spoiled sport? Am I a, a, a parade rainer honor? Am I a guy who just doesn't get the pure joy and emotion? Now, don't get me wrong, because I'm going to ask both of you guys about playing against your former team. But I'm sitting there like, this is some wild shit. I'm watching men run onto scores tables. I'm watching dudes pop jerseys. Guys are un- Patrick Beverly threw his game-worn jersey into the crowd. Have you ever seen anything like that for that kind of circumstance? I guess you could say no because we haven't had playing tournaments, but have you ever seen a celebration quite like that that maybe didn't fit the magnitude of the issue? And it may because Pat Beverly is very emotional and he's very, very upset with the way the Clippers treated him and he showed it in that game. But have you ever seen anything like that, bro?
4: No. I mean, I've seen teams celebrate like that. That's when you win championships, uh, you know, you make it to the final four yeah. or something like that. But, the, you know, the one thing I was thinking about when I first saw that as I was watching the end of that game, was kind of taken back. I was like, "What? Well, what is going on? I mean, I understand the organization, the fans. I mean, I can, I can understand you being excited and exuberant, but I was like, man, this is way over the top. I was like and then the next day when I woke up and I thought about it I was like well it's been a while since they've been there mm-hmm. so I can understand you know the jubilation the excitement you know but then also our boy gave it away a little bit and he talked about how you know he was going to plan on throwing his jersey into the crowd regardless <laughs> he said hey I'm just glad that we won Oh, and I understand him, man. He's a very emotional guy. He's always out to prove people wrong. He plays with a chip on his shoulder. And the fact that they actually, he beat his old team. What's going to happen if they somehow beat Memphis? Wasn't that one of his old teams too?
1: Oh, we're shooting every gun in the air. When that, hey, KB. KG, we hey, talking up, about bro? what we were talking about uh, via direct message. Have you ever in your life seen anything? And, and Will said he's seen it during championship celebrations, maybe. But have you ever seen anything like what happened in the play-in tournament with Patrick Beverly and the Minnesota Timberwolves, bro?
2: Never, ever seen a person cry over winning one game. If that, if that was the case back when we beat the Detroit Pistons with uh, one game, uh, when we needed one game, uh, to get into the playoffs, shoot, I would have been crying all over the place.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, I, mean, I, I
2: mean, I mean, Jason, it, 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 he, 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 he had the uh, Instagram post about, you know, g- using all kind of explicitives, get the, you know, this out of yeah, here, the, yeah. the LA Clippers. I, I mean, hey, can you imagine what happens if he wins the championship?
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, he, you're hey, he going to blow the roof off of it. He <laughs> got <laughs> fined $30,000. For Did his post game yeah, I mean, I'm, antics I'm sure and he interactions, it's worth it, but you know it ain't <laughs> it, it, it ain't. <laughs> I don't. I, let me tell you something right now: thirty grand for t- for getting back and 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 this is why we could preface it with this because I want to ask you, gentlemen, this question before we get to Bulls and Bucks. Um, beating your old team or beating a, an organization that you think didn't do you right or uh, doesn't understand your talents or didn't value you correctly. Uh, Have you guys had instances like that? And and what did those look
4: like? No, I was – I got – and listen, I never got to play them in the playoffs, right? Because when I got traded, I got traded to the Western Conference. And unfortunately, with the Spurs at that time, we never got to the finals, you know, against the Bulls. But, you know, you get jacked up to play them in a game. You know, in the regular season, you get to play them twice. And I was fortunate enough to have one of my better games. You know, against them, but you know, even then, when you beat your old team, you know, I don't. Hey, I mean, maybe, maybe Patrick Beverly's a lot more emotional than we thought. You know, because it's like again, I I saw the Instagram too, and I was like, man, okay, it's it's one thing to go out and celebrate and be joyous, but then basically just to throw a bunch of gasoline on it, light it on fire, get on Instagram, and put all you know, just put that stuff out there. You know, with well, us, we always talk about Patrick Beverly. We talk about what we think is a little bit of this false bravado, you know, how he plays, how he's an agitator. I get all that, but I mean, is is he working on some kind of, you know, NIL deal or something like that that, that we don't <laughs> know about? Or you know, something is is he kind of working on a post-career box boxing move, or has he got something going on, man?
1: Hey, man. I don't know what he's got going on, but I just I just know he was uh see. Is he setting TV. himself up
4: for WWE or something? I don't know. Hey,
1: you, he went on the, the next morning, he went on with Malika Andrews in a Versace row with a Versace shirt and a forty-five thousand dollar <laughs> wristwatch. So I, I think I think whatever Pete Pat Dev has set up after basketball, uh it's, it's gonna be all right, apparently, because he was he was he was in rare form for that thirty-six hours. So KG, you've had several former teams. We, you and I have talked about, you know, um, things that have happened in your career uh, in, in terms of like, you know, the Seattle move and the Charlotte move and, and, and playing for Pat Riley in Miami and, of course, coming back home, playing with the Bulls. Was there an instance that you can remember where it was life and death for you trying to beat a former team or trying to beat a former organization, try to show them what they were missing?
2: Yeah, when I the first time that I went back to Charlotte after uh signing my free agent deal with Seattle, uh, every time I touched the basketball, the fans booed me. I mean, every time they, they booed me when I stepped off the bus, man, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I I had a big game that game, we ended up winning uh, the game. So, it was that game was life or death for me. I was ready, you know, I played great, and, you know, fortunately enough. For me, I, I, we won the game, but you know, I didn't go on a tirade you know, uh, <laughs> to the reporters at the end of the game. I didn't, I didn't do that. I just said, listen, you know, my teammates. But, you know, I didn't standard BS. Mm-hmm. But really, what I was feeling, I didn't say. You know, I, I, I just held it in. and uh, But it was sweet, man. It was a sweet victory.
1: So I want to ask you guys this, because in the last couple of years or so that I've spent with you guys, I've learned a tremendous amount of basketball. And I've learned a tremendous amount of life uh, a, a, as well uh, from you two dudes. And and I call you guys my basketball OGs upon introduction. Uh, one of, you know, two of many, right, that, that I've had a chance to work with over the last 15, 20 years or so. I always hear you guys talk about the current and modern style of play, the modern player uh, the environment, social media, the, the things that the guys have to deal with that you guys didn't have to deal with, uh, sometimes positively, sometimes negatively. And I always wonder this because our generation is always the best one because that's the one we came up in. And we can't understand anybody before us so or after us sometimes. What were guys saying about players in the late 80s, early 90s who had played in the 60s, 70s? Like, what were What were the guys who are in your position now that you guys are in talking about the current NBA. What were those dudes saying about you guys coming into the league in the in the mid to late 80s, early 90s, as far as what the player did go through, had to go through? You know, because we talk about AAU, right, and how that's changed the way guys compete and the way uh, basketball is taught now back in the 70s and 80s. It wasn't as big a deal, if it, if it at all. Your high school basketball coach was the most important person than your college basketball coach. What were guys saying about you guys when you came into the league or your generation of players, similar to how you guys speak of the young guys nowadays?
2: Well, for me, they really didn't say anything. You know, they said, oh, you guys make a lot of money, you know, mm. which is what we say about the kids today. But as far as learning the game and, and playing the game, so. It, way that it's always been played
0: you didn't hear very
2: much because you know the rules really hadn't changed that much but now like if you look at rick Barry, uh who made some comments about the traveling today and the way that they dream about the other day saying they shoot so many three-point shots could he dominate today and you know his answer was yeah i could, I could still dominate i could dominate in any era but you know i think i think the old guys back when, when Will and I went to the league, they really didn't have too much to complain about the game because, I mean, it was basically played the same.
4: You know, the the funny thing is, you bring that up, Kendall, I was Bill Cartwright, John Paxson, of Craig Hodges, guys I played with that were a little older, you know, they were more talking to me about, hey, young fella, you guys got to make sure that when you know, it's time for the collective bargaining agreement to come up. You gotta take care of the older players, man. Yeah, mm. yeah. They did do that. You know, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't about contracts, it wasn't about contrasting styles. It was about how, you know, you're gonna be in my shoes someday and you're gonna be asking the same thing of the younger players. You know, we gotta do a better job with, you know, the retirement benefits and and insurance and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we need you to push stuff like that because, you know, right now we feel that, you know, that's secondary. I remember Cartwright, you know, talking to me about that a lot and Paxson occasionally mentioning that. So it was kind of more about, you know, we're going to we're handing the baton off. but We don't want you to forget about us. We want to make sure that you also take care of us because you're going to be asking the same of the younger players down the line. Mm-hmm.
1: That's interesting. That's interesting. So a- as we look at it now with the way the game is played and the conversations, because I, I love going to work, one because I get paid to talk about basketball with you guys. And I don't look at that, obviously, as a profession. Obviously, we take it seriously. It's a discipline. But I look at it as a blessing every single day. And I learn from you guys the, the differences, not only in the eras that you played in, but what's happening right now, the way the game is played right now. And you, you the three of us have had these conversations. Yeah, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle right and i hear you guys conversations about the the propensity to take three pointers and you know kg and i get into it all the time about the iq of the, the the current player and will you you jump in on that conversation as well with us um how do you think the game can be improved without taking away any of the rights that uh the younger players have coming into the league right now uh some of the things that are, the way the game is played in terms of stylistically uh, how do you think the product can be improved overall with some of the things that are in place already?
2: Well, I, I think the product is is very good right now. I mean, everybody watches NBA. I mean, it's, you know, the sport is still, you know, amongst the most popular in, in the world. Um,
1: TV ratings up, yeah. by the way, ABC, TV, ESPN, yeah. everybody's saying everything's up.
2: Yeah, TV ratings are up, and, you know, everybody's tuning in to – to watch all the players, I, I think it's a more global game now because of the social media aspect of it. You know, you can follow players, you can do all this and that. But I, the thing, is, if I was to improve the game, I would like to see the return of the big man come back. Not have seven footers always outside shooting three point shots. Now you look at uh, Porzingis. Who I think could, could be a, a terror in the post. He's he's mainly a guy that plays out on the perimeter. You look at our, our center, Nikola Vucevic, a guy who could dominate each and every night in the post, but he loves to play out on the perimeter because it's become nouveau reach for everybody to have a big man that could stretch the floor with their three point shooting. And also, I take the traveling out. You know, don't mm. don't 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 allow them two or three steps because in my opinion, cheating the game. And if you're going to do that, okay, let the guys hand check the game. Mm.
1: Okay. We won't be
2: seeing all these 50-point games. I guarantee (laughs) you that.
4: (laughs) Go ahead, Will. Well, I think to make it work, because I think the game is – you know, it's there's ebbs and flows, right? I think the game has gone too far right now to being – you know perimeter i know a lot of people will say perimeter oriented but i think it's becoming perimeter dominated because of the three point line so but also you got to give you know players credit there's so much better shooters now than when we played so i'm not trying to say let's deter the three pointer but i like what kendall says and let's let's get back to working on making it a complete game instead of a, you know instead of being you know so post dominated or perimeter-dominated, you know, maybe you, you, you push the three-point line back, which opens up things in the inside the paint, so you can become, um, you know, you can have a post-up game, and it's not, that is that is the one thing, because players are bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic. You know, there's a lot of traffic, and maybe you make the three-point line, that means you'd have to make, in my opinion, make the, the floor a little wider, not necessarily longer, but wider. Move the three-point line, maybe another foot, you know, because that's – I honestly think now the three-point shot from the corner is too easy. Yeah. The way the guys can now knock those shots down and make it make it the same distance all the way around, right, even into the the, the corners. But also, you know, what I don't know how to do is, is how do you make a postman more common within the game?
1: Yeah, because I was going to ask, like, do you, do you lose the Dirk Nowitzki's of the world if you make seven-footers go back to the high post or go back to the post strictly? Like, like the the evolution of the game and where it's come, you know, seeing guys like Kevin Garnett come out of high school at seven foot, facing up, you know, high posts and, and, and putting the ball on the floor for a couple of dribbles. Do you, Do you run the risk of stunting the growth of the game going forward by putting big people back closer to the basket, or is it? Does it have to just be found case by case in, in terms of how you how you instruct players going forward? Because the skill level, like we're not going to go back to guys not being able to shoot and being able to stay on the floor. If that makes any sense.
4: Yeah, because it's they're too they're, they're too skilled because right. of how specific basketball has become, even at a younger age, and. You know, guys are just, I mean, from four or five years old with AAU and everything, they're, they're, you know, playing just one sport for a long extended period of time. But there's got to be some kind of reward for, you know, continuing to attack the basket, getting points in the paint. You know, it's just, what I don't know yet is how you go about making those and tinkering with it and justifying it. You know, I'd have to really sit down and think about it. But, I do like what Kendall's talking about because I think they've made it a little too offensive oriented.
2: Mhm.
4: Guys being able to score 50, you know, go back to letting them hand check, go back to giving the defense more power. You know, not necessarily make it more physical, you know, as far as like when we played, but try to even the ta- even the tables to where, you know, you give the the defense a legitimate chance to make stops. Mhm. You know, because you're you're starting to get more and more players like Giannis that just, and Joel Embiid that could just overpower people. And if you don't allow a guy to, you know, to body up somebody like Not that, well. then you're basically, it's almost impossible to stop him. And so how do you, you know, how do you, and you don't want to say, well, we can't make certain rules because guys are too big, too fast, too strong. But you got to give an opportunity for the defense to legitimately make a stop to where you can't put so much favor with the offense and it makes it impossible. Is there a real G League component that
1: that has to be at play here, Kendall, when we talk about not going back on some of the collegiate uh, allowance, you know, one-and-done rule? Uh, doesn't seem like uh, you're going to start putting more years on that and making guys stay two years or three years. So is the difference between the player that's coming out now raw and unrefined uh, just simply more G League emphasis and, and it being a real minor league? And do you think that, that the players, if asked, hey, do you want to make $150,000, dollars 250000 for one year instead of going to college, come to the minor leagues and we'll be there with coaches and refereeing that's professionally trained? Like, do you think that's the next step or do you think that it's still going to have to be the, the, the college product being the, the refining period in some of these players' lives?
2: Well, I think it's going to be an option. Uh, it's already become an option. So, um, a couple of the players last uh, years back.
1: Yeah, Jalen so, Green.
2: Jalen Green went into the G League and then and uh, then came out after uh, that year. I mean, what did he make? He probably made a couple hundred grand and mm-hmm. right to the draft as the number two pick. So it's becoming an option. I mean, listen, some school isn't for everybody. So some guys probably just look. I'm gonna skip school and just go into the minor leagues and you know. Who knows? You know, you you have guys in the G League that, you know, are are probably career G League guys, but they're they're making money, you know. So I think it's a great option um, because if they didn't have that option, it would probably be overseas or, you know, someplace else playing basketball. And, you know, I think also, too, it it will make the NCAA, which they've already done by giving the kids the NIL uh, option. accountable for for paying the athletes what they're worth, you know, because now the players, they want to come out and they don't have to go to college. They can go right to the G league and then get paid right away. So I I think it's, I think it's here to stay. And I think it's a great option.
1: I appreciate you guys time as always, Uh, as we let you go here, we'll get to uh, the business. I appreciate it,
2: man. I've been holding my cool because my wife has been driving a hundred miles an hour. (laughs) I'm not
1: going to let you do that uh, to Miss G. I feel I like everybody in the, the car is safe.
2: In the, <laughs> I almost used the bathroom on myself a couple times, but I held. I, I, I kept my professionalism, my TV <laughs> professionalism, by holding my face straight. I'm
1: not gonna so let you, you do that on. to Miss G. I'm All right, not gonna so let you hey, do that. Is that right, Wendy? <laughs> uh, hey, how you doing, Miss
4: G? Don't let him be hey. like that, Jason. Let's 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 find out from the boss there. Uh huh. That's driving. Let's ask her when the dynamics flipped. And all of a sudden, the car became hers, and the truck <laughs> became Kendall's.
1: Oh, hey, that's and hey, that's a conversation for a different show. You don't want Kendall. We wait. For, we wait to the pre and post game for that one right there, because you know, yeah, I want Kendall in the passenger seat. I want that's. I don't know how long that car ride going to be. I don't want any bad vibes for anybody in that car, including Miss <laughs> G. All right, I don't want that happening out here.
2: That's story. That story time. The story. Yeah, time. there it is. There it is. <laughs> all
1: right, as, as we as we let you guys go here. Um, how many games this series going to go, fellas? I'm pulling for six. Bulls in six. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> Bulls is six. <laughs> hey, ladies and gentlemen, if y'all don't know, This is, and Doug Buffon is near and dear to my heart. God rest his soul. Former Chicago Bear. Got a chance to work with him for 16, 17 years at The Score. Was one of my closest buddies. Like, really took care of me. Took me under his wing. If y'all don't know, Kendall Gill is my... Black Doug Buffone these days because Doug <laughs> Buffon played for the Bears, loved the Bears so damn much that every week during the pregame show with the Bears could be favored or I'm sorry, they could be they could be at a deficit by 20, right? They could it could be plus 20. Bears, you know, they're going to get creamed on Soldier Field. And Doug Buffon would figure out a way throughout the week to come up with a way how the Bears were going to win that game. Ladies and gentlemen, that spirit has entered Kendall Gill's body for the last two, three years. He has had. He is. He is always looking for a way. This man just said bulls in six. Nobody in that car believes him. I saw smiles behind him. Will Purdue is smiling his face off. I love Kendall for this, but Kendall, you do not believe that this team is going to win this this damn series. You don't believe.
2: Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I don't believe. you. <laughs> but I'm going to say
1: it <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> They're just too tough, man. It's, it's too much that's this yeah, happened over tough. this last month. they too tough. Yeah, I'm,
2: listen, I'm hoping that we can pull a couple of Bulls and win a couple of games, but I Likewise. do not anticipate them. I do not anticipate them winning this series. However, I was a member of the Seattle Supersonics. We were the number one seed. We were the first number one seed to get defeated by the number eight seed, so I know it is possible. I mean, if the Milwaukee Bucks come in here and they're they're overrated and they're Mm -hmm. overconfident, rather, and, you know, the guy that hypnotized Jimmy Walker and let's do it (laughs) again and still had a spell on Pat Williams, if he has that spell, we got a chance. (laughs) Because if Pat Williams can drop 35 a game and play aggressive the way that he did against Minnesota Timberwolves, Boys, we going
1: to the second round. There it is. <laughs> now, Will, you. There this is just Light like this, this is just like the show. By the way, all right, Will, you come in <laughs> with, with, with the rainy day <laughs> on Kendall's parade right here. I and can't. Right here. It come, it. Will. <laughs> <it. It come,
4: laughs>
1: Where Yeah, with we're going we're gonna we're gonna tell you we're gonna tell you why the
4: bulls gonna lose in three. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I do think that the Bulls are going to win a game. And it's got to be game one or game three. But I just think that, listen, my whole thing is if, if Milwaukee wins last year but Giannis doesn't get hurt and they don't deal with that scenario, then maybe they don't have that sense of urgency in this first round. But because of what happened last year and the fact that that happened, but he was able to come back and play. I think they realized the importance of playing as few games as possible. Yep. And I think they come in with a sense of urgency, but it's the responsibility of the Bulls to come in and ready to play. And you always hear the statement, you know, you gotta, you got to land the first punch, right? you got to step up and maybe somehow, some way, you know, and I, when I say hit a home run, I don't mean step up and try to knock down a bunch of quick threes. Mm -hmm. As Kendall knows, we're going to talk about getting boots to touches, run the offense, keep the defense occupied, have one of those first quarters where we got like, you know, 10 assists, balls moving. Um, Maybe our defense isn't great, but yet Milwaukee's not shooting very well for whatever reason. And the guys feel pretty good about themselves because maybe they have a lead after the first quarter. And then that energy and that enthusiasm carries over you know, throughout the game, but this is also a huge learning point because, you know, as Jason, as you said, you know, the disappointing thing is how we got here, not Mm -hmm. that we're here. We're all excited that we're here. Of course. But if you go back to October when we did our, you know, preseason show to talk about the season, I think we all were like, best case scenario was four, probably five or six, stay out of the play in game. That's exactly what we've done. You know, but they had that 14 game stretch where they went twelve and two and they were in first place in the in the Eastern Conference. So you know, maybe this week off has been has worked wonders for these guys and maybe Billy's figured something out or you know, like Kendall said, maybe they've hypnotized the whole team. I don't know <laughs> but you know i'm I'm excited for Sunday. I want to see how they come out. And I really want to see how Zach responds because yes, he's always wanted to be here. He's excited to be here. You know, and, and let's see what he does regarding that intensity that you got to play with over forty eight minutes in a playoff game. All right, Will and KG,
1: I appreciate y'all that giving me enough time tonight. Go hang out with your families and KG. You know you you watch that you watch that right hook because you're in that passenger seat, man. <laughs> Be careful out here, baby.
2: I don't, don't, don't you hey, listen? I know how to dip. I know how to swim. <laughs>
0: It <laughs> hey,
2: yes, will. It hey, will. Will we get, We got to get a raise, man. Look at this kitchen, Jason. Oh, man, look go. at look, look, man. This kitchen wasn't like that last year. It was. Oh no, it was. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got we to
1: gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta talk
2: to Kevin Cross,
1: man. All right. There it is. <laughs> and this is this is when I tell the, the, my my family, my fellas, goodbye. <laughs> Kendall <Kinder laughs> Gill, Will Purdue, thank you so much for joining us, my man. I appreciate you finally being on the Full Go Podcast. Hey, thank you buddy. for
2: having me, man. We'll be
1: back with more of The Full Goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors.
0: This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day. I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little
2: it's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original.
1: Oh, from, from greatness to greatness, there it is. LB, how you doing? Good, how are you? I cannot complain. I cannot complain. I just got done hanging out with my uh nbc sports chicago folks and now i get to hang out with you for a little bit i i want to say thank you so much for jumping on with me i appreciate i know you got a lot going on and especially with this playoff series and all the other you know 25 gigs that you are able to do uh (laughs) flawlessly uh i want to let the people know this i have interviewed lisa Byington, i believe three times three times on Big Ten Radio on Sirius XM, and I've only had the the pleasure of making Lisa Byington's acquaintance through uh, a common jerk that we share, uh, a, a mutual asshole uh, in Anthony Heron. Uh He's one of my favorite people in the world, but he's one of the worst guys that I know. Uh, he he can't he can't stand being told I love you uh he, he just he's just not a, he's not an affectionate man and and i'm incredibly affectionate and that's why our friendship is as awkward as it is but it's yielded certain things and and that is the opportunity to get to interview and get to watch lisa byington uh not just blow up but make history over this last year and a half two years lisa thank you so much for jumping on with us here on the full gold podcast how you feeling
5: I'm good. You know, we could spend the whole time, uh, the 15 minutes, talking about how Anthony Heron's a terrible person. I'm all oh, in he's the worst. on that. He's the
1: worst. He's one of the worst. <laughs> he's one of the way people, you know, he's, he's a great orator. He's a handsome man. He's, 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 he's got, a, he's got a, a football player's build. He's got a he's got terrific a good, family. Yeah, yeah, we owe oh, you. Yeah. We
5: should uh, make, it, make it clear that we are joking because there's probably like one or two people out there that are listening to this like, wow, mm-hmm. they really hate Anthony mm-hmm. Heron. We don't hate Anthony Heron. We just like to... Jab
1: Anthony. Here. Oh no no no! Speak for yourself, Lisa. Anthony and I—if if, you know—if if he and I never saw each other again, I, it wouldn't bother me in the least. He's—he's he's,
5: oh, he's, he's, he's
1: despicable human being, and he treats me poorly every time I come in for a hug. So, Anthony, I hope you're listening. I hope you're having a great day, and say what's up to Bishop and Kelly for me. So let's get to it, LB. Um, I just got finished talking to a 15-year NBA veteran in Kendall Gill and a four-time world champion in Will Purdue. They are my basketball OGs on NBC Sports Chicago. We we chop it up. Have 82 games a season. Have fun talking about the Bulls. This season especially was a lot of fun. And then the post-All-Star break happened. And we saw what this team unfortunately became due to injury. And due to lack of experience to be honest with you because they were relying on a lot of people who had never been in these positions before some veterans some young players so i just asked the guys as i just finished up with them how many games do they expect this series to go uh will said he expects the bulls to get at least one uh kendall in all of his c red craziness said he expects the bulls to win at six um I think the Bulls will snatch one game. But the
5: Bulls would win in six?
1: Kendall, Kendall is, Kendall's got other motives. You know what I mean? Kendall, <laughs> more and more playoff games means better things for the Gill family and the Gill household. I got, household, you. I, you know got I
5: can read it between the lines. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's my man, 50 grand. Like, he he, he, he trades stocks during the game. Like, he is, he, he is all about his bread, and I appreciate him for it. Um, Milwaukee seems to be a reigning champ that, not enough people are talking about. And I hate when I do that because it's like, who are you talking to or who are you listening to? But you've got Giannis acting like, um, you know, a perimeter shack once again this year. <laughs> and, and you've got Drew Holiday who... You know, Drew Holiday's like the garage band who gets, you know, starts playing arenas and everybody's like, I remember when I used to listen to him. Like, I've always been a fan of Drew Holiday, right? And he's, he's like Mike Conley where people love calling him underrated. It's like, no, nah, no. Nah, people think he's pretty damn good. So they got that. And then they got, you know, surprise eyes. My main man, Bobby Portis. And Jordan Noir is coming around here. Uh, please tell me the weaknesses that this Milwaukee Bucks team has that you've seen throughout these 82 games because I'm trying to find them. And I need content for tomorrow's preview show.
5: Uh, Injury—that's been—that's been the biggest thing, you know. Um, Brook Lopez has been a, a really key addition to come back. And when I took this job, you know, he played the the first game of the regular season against Brooklyn, and they looked fantastic. And then he he sat out, um, much like in the time that Patrick Williams sat out, you know, several months, about three plus months or so, and counting. And so everyone said, hey, wait till Brooke gets back, right? Um, and now I see why. You know, like the the typical drop coverage that the Bucs like to play defensively, he's obviously a very big piece with that. Uh, but Bulls fans also saw the offensive consistency that he can provide. You know, season high 28 in the, the last meeting between the Bucks and the Bulls that Brooke had. So, um, you know, Brooke has been the biggest absence this year. And and to get him back, uh, it, they just seem more settled defensively, offensively, and, and, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, just cohesion as a team. You know, um, and so I know Bulls fans don't want to hear this, but that really had been their biggest weakness. And and I think the Bulls, you know, they if, if you look at you know the NBA can track uh, games missed because of what injury, illness, that sort of thing, and and the Bulls in the box at one point were like right there, you know uh if you if you checked it out like you know january ish they were they were pretty pretty equal. Um and so I, I think a lot of people maybe neglect to think about that. They think, oh well Milwaukee wasn't there. Well Milwaukee wasn't there because their the roster wasn't there. And so and I feel like that's also affected their defensive rating, too. You know, um, the the Bucs have been so good in the Mike Budenholzer years past. They've been they've been really, really consistent defensively. And I I wouldn't necessarily say that about them this year, uh, but I, I would like to see a bigger sample piece with the roster that they have with Brooke being back to be able to evaluate them defensively. Um, and then the third quarter has been a weakness, right? They haven't, they haven't been consistent in the third quarter. So I I think jumping out to big leads in the first half is, is been very key for them. And so, so I think in that order, um, Jason, it's, it's, it's health, it's, um, defense has been a little bit suspect at times. And then, and then the third quarter has been an Achilles heel for them.
1: Listen, it's funny that you mentioned the third quarter. We've talked about it behind the scenes a little bit. Um, Bulls come out late every halftime, whether it be yeah, the, yeah. to not shoot around at all or to get a couple of shots in. And then we wonder what's going on in the third quarters or what's happening with, you know, teams coming out and jumping on you at the beginning of a half. Um, just, just some of the stuff that just, that you see sometimes, or if you're around the arena or if you're in the building, you're like, okay, that's one of those things you, you, you keep an eye on. I- I'm glad you mentioned Giannis because there's no better place to start and finish when it comes to the Milwaukee bucks right now. Uh, I'm a huge LeBron fan, and I get, I get chided because of it, especially here in this city. Um, and Kevin Durant is being argued as the greatest player on the planet right now. Nikola Jokic, of course, MVP-type numbers. What he's doing from the center position hasn't been seen before. I also think the usage and possessions being up has a lot to do with that as well. Joel Embiid finally coming of age, being healthy. Meanwhile, we've got Giannis, who I don't know if we're talking about not just the things we should be talking about, but with the reverence we should be talking about when it comes to him. He is performing like a dude who wants to sit at that greatest of all time table mm-hmm. instead of the conversations of, oh, this was this was Giannis's year or this, you know, this decade was y-. like the things that he doing it in a place where it's your team, I think makes a huge difference. Um, obviously LeBron had to go to Miami, play with D Wade. He was the best player on that team, never ever taking that away from him. Uh, the Kevin Durant thing, we always look back at Golden State with Draymond, Clay, and Steph, and then the ultimate cheat code gets added to it. You know, I've said that if things go a little bit differently a couple years ago, because we always say Giannis, he stood there, he stayed there in Milwaukee, and that's why it's that much sweeter. A couple bounces go a little differently. Eric Bledsoe's still on that team. I think we're talking about Giannis in the way that we're talking about a lot of these other stars. who are like, all right, well, when is he going to get up out of Milwaukee? And he wins a championship. He does it on a knee that I still don't know how the hell he did it. I still have no idea how he didn't hyperextend, tear everything in that joint. But he does it on that stage. And then Game 7, 50 in an elimination game. And the way he's performing this year, I, right now, I think the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns are going to see each other again in the NBA Finals. And right now, I think the Milwaukee Bucks are going to win the championship because Giannis Antetokounmpo is starting to say, hey, forget all this year to year, I want to sit at the big boy table and he's doing it with some accolades that I don't think we're we're adding up properly as we as we go along his journey because of so many other things we can look at in the NBA landscape right now.
5: I think you just asked and answered your your question better than than I could. I mean, <laughs> it sounds like you're a you're a pretty good. Uh, you're a pretty big Giannis fan. You know, I'll say this. You know, there's been there's been so much talk. Is Giannis MVP? Is it Jokic? Is it Joel Embiid? And and here's the argument that I gave. And and maybe this this plays into what you're 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 trying to argue too, Jason. Is you know Giannis his point totals there compared to those other guys? Rebounding total is there? Uh, he's a he's a better passer. In my opinion, than Joel Embiid, he's a better, way better defender than Jokic. So he's got something on each guy, you know, passing over Embiid, defense over Jokic, and and here's the thing too is that that Giannis has a clutch gene that now we've seen when you mentioned the the 50 point game in a in a deciding NBA Finals to win a championship to put up 50 to go 17 of 19 from the free throw line when that's the area of criticism uh with Giannis a lot of times. Um, but to be able to step to that stage quite literally and perform, um, that's that's his clutch gene. This year, the, the two biggest wins, in my opinion, or are maybe uh better put as signature wins was when uh, the Bucs went back to back against the 76ers, when he literally went head to head with Joel M B for a, a game-winning block. Uh, there's MVP versus MVP. And, and he's the one that, that stood tallest, quite literally, right? After that play. Uh, then the next night, if that wasn't enough, the next night against Brooklyn, you know, he he sets the Bucks' all-time scoring record. He does it on a three-point shot to tie the game to send them to overtime. And then in overtime, steps to the free throw line to knock down two clutch free throws to win the game. And so... There is an example like Giannis can't shoot the three. He's just a penetrator. He's just a dunker. That's all he is, right? So those two plays um, against two playoff teams, right, where where he hits a three point shot, he hits two free throws to win it. Um, to me, it's it's the clutch gene that kind of sets him apart. And when we talk about the greats, and, and you have just named, you know, several of them, you know, more contemporary, right, with with the KDS and the Lebrons, um, you know, obviously in Chicago the MJ's. Of the world, uh, what did they all have in common? They got clutch, right? And and that's what Giannis has. And so he, you tell him he can't do something, he's going to get better at it. And, and now he's got a championship, and now that he's got a taste of that, he he he's not satisfied with that. He wants more, and he understands the history of the game. He understands not only what it takes to be some of the more uh, legendary franchises in the game, but also one of the legendary players and and he won't be satisfied until he is considered he's already got the top seventy five vote right from this mm-hmm. year uh he's not going to be satisfied until he is considered top ten top five top three before his time is done
1: as we let you go here, Lisa, I appreciate your time as always um you know fox sports e s p n uh you know fox sports milwaukee um you know first first lady first female uh to have a full-time uh analyst gig at uh in the nba um congratulations play
5: on by that. play play by play it's just play a by play. play i'm, I'm sorry play. sorry
1: play by play, play but by i don't
5: play. want people to get confused because a lot of people think yeah. oh well doris burke but doris burke is an analyst so, right, right. yeah
1: right play by play that's my that's my apology no that's okay you know, that's okay i i, I stumbled in, in 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 trying to build up the intro here um You know, I know that I've only been in television for two and a half years now, and I get nervous before every show, before every camera uh, appearance, before every three or four minute question and answer that I have to tape. And I'm like, all right, you got to get this word out. Got to do this. Got to do this properly. And then after a while, you know, just relax and figure out the mistakes that you're going to make. How do you get nerves? after all this time doing what you've done as, as such a high level and how do you deal with those nerves or stressors when they do uh, take place?
5: Great question. I do. The quick answer is yes, I do. Um, with whatever I do, whether it's calling a game, whether it's speaking in front of a group, uh, whether it's going on Jason Goff's podcast, knock you know, it off. This, you know, you get the butterflies. Knock like, it off. Uh, no, I'm kidding about that one, but um, uh, this is all fun and games here tonight, but it's, you know, my mom told me, so she, so my parents had me do a little bit of everything, including when I was a little kid, like they wanted me to try all kinds of sports. And, and one of the things that they had me try was was dance recitals. So I was like, you know, three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, I'd get a little bit older. And I, I remember, I must've been like six or seven maybe at the time. And I remember having a conversation like, mom, I, I feel weird in my stomach. You know, I feel, And she said, Lisa, that's okay. Those are butterflies. <laughs> and it's okay to be nervous because that means that you care and that means that you want to do well. And, and, you know, there's some things that you have conversations with either your parent or mentor or something really young that still sticks with you today. And that conversation with my mom still sticks with me today, that that it's okay to, to have those nerves. And so I'll tell you, you know, I could call uh, a, a, a Bucks or an NBA game or an NCAA tournament and have thousands and thousands of people watching and of course I still get nervous, you know, and, and I tell myself that's okay. And and what I do is I take some time in the pregame. And 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 it usually happens right around the national anthem. And uh what I do is I close my eyes and I take a couple deep breaths. And then uh halfway through the national anthem, I usually open my eyes and I look around into the the top corners of whatever arena we're at. And, and I just tell myself, you are so blessed to be here and, and be grateful for the opportunity and be grateful for the seat that you're sitting in. And, and you know what happens after that, uh, the ball's tipped and, uh, and everything seems normal, you know? Um, and so I am grateful and, and I'm grateful for the nerves that I feel. I'm grateful for the opportunity that I get. And, and that is my, my routine game in and game out.
1: There it is, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it. L.B. told you, just leave the door cracked and let greatness in, damn it. That's as simple as that. She doesn't get nervous. She looks up at the stands and goes, guess what? Not one day I'm going to afford to buy this arena because I'm Lisa Dan Byington. So everybody, play basketball, let me call it. I'm out here. L.B., I appreciate you so much. Um, thank you for doing this. Uh, I I, uh, I appreciate not just the fact that you're as cool as you are, but you're as professional and as down to earth as you are, uh, along with the fact that you, uh, you 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 can rag on Anthony Heron a little bit with me. That that makes yeah, me feel well, good. We as well, we wouldn't
5: be friends with Anthony, right? If you can't rag on him. Yeah, so, exactly. Especially exactly. fun when he can't defend himself. That makes oh, it even
1: better. My favorite. This is my favorite when I talk crazy about Anthony and he's not around. And I hope somebody tells him this just after I see him, just after I see him. All right, Lisa, thank hey, It was thank
5: a you. pleasure being on, uh, Jason. You're the best. I appreciate, appreciate you that. and your energy and your passion always.
1: Yes, yes. Thank you. Talk to you down
0: the road. Uh, congratulations on everything. Be well.
3: Time for some commercials.
0: This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag.
2: There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class, leading passenger space, and clean, thoughtful design, and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com
1: prologue to learn more.
4: This is Seth Jones, and you're listening to the Full Gold Podcast with Jason Goff.
1: All right, we did this pod a little bit earlier than we usually do because we got both of our guests knocked out. Well, all three of our guests knocked out pretty, uh, pretty early in the evening. And on top of that, it's a playoff preview pod. So we're giving you all the Bulls, Bucks information your brain could possibly handle. But we'd be remiss if we didn't leave you on this night, right, where we're, it's about 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. I'm sitting here watching San Jose versus the Chicago Blackhawks at the United Center. It is Pat Foley's final call, all right? Thursday night, final call as the Blackhawks announcer at home. Um, 42 years worth of terrific calls, uh, impersonations, uh, uh, an unmistakable voice. a guy who appreciates the game of hockey, and you hear it with every word, every syllable, with different partners throughout his career. He's made all of them sound great. Uh, he's been the soundtrack of a lot of people's lives and especially a lot of people's favorite sport. You know, the city of Chicago loves hockey in a way that I don't think many cities understand. It's an original six franchise. Um, the, the the 300 section is is, is is revered as where all the real fans sit in the three hundred section before and after the 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 you know Blackhawks golden era uh, of the twenty tens. But Pat Foley has called all of it right, and Pat Foley has been omnipresent until now. He is riding off into the sunset. Chris Volster will be the new play by play person for Chicago Blackhawks hockey, and congratulations to him. Uh, those are some big shoes to fill. And it's for many reasons, not just the game winning goal calls, not just a, you know, a saving a beauty. You know, I remember Jeff Hackett and Eddie Belfour back in the days and Dominic Hasek before he went to Buffalo. Um, I, I remember a lot of big calls, especially on the radio because you couldn't see the Blackhawks play home games on television because of Bill Wirtz. But That's neither here nor there. We're here to celebrate Pat Foley. And I thought to myself, what what way could I possibly celebrate Pat Foley in the way that that is most golf-like, right? Like we like to have a good time on this show. We tackle the serious stuff, but for the most part, we try to laugh, try to have some fun, try to entertain you. Nothing says Pat Foley to me more than when Alexander Karpatsev was traded. Ladies and gentlemen, This is two minutes and eleven seconds of mastery, of orator, uh, greatness, of of just the 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 scourge and the 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 sensibilities that have been offended on a hockey level by one Alexander Karpatshev after he was traded from the Blackhawks. The very next game, this is what Pat Foley had to say.
3: This is a very happy day. It's a very happy day for this Blackhawk fan because... I'm never again going to have to see Alexander Karpatsev in a Blackhawk uniform. You know, Karpatsev actually is a is a very good defenseman. i got to qualify my comments by saying he's a good defenseman when he plays. And there's the rub because Alexander Karpatsev looks for any reason not to play. And in his time in Chicago, he is the worst excuse for a teammate I've ever seen in over two decades doing this job a couple of examples 10 minutes before a warm-up a few weeks ago my shoulder hurts. And a young fellow, young defenseman, who wasn't anticipating playing, had to scurry get into his uniform and dress for the game. He was coming back from an ankle injury earlier this season, almost ready to rejoin the lab, has a collision at practice. I have a concussion. Well, Dr. Karpats have always had an excuse, always found a way to milk the system. He came to Chicago, of course, in exchange for Brian McCabe, who has gone on to become an all-star in Toronto. But even before that, Brian McCabe was a guy who cared and who try. The Toronto players, when that trade was made, said, we can't believe we got Brian McKay for Dean Martin. Well, let me tell you, Alexander Karpatshev doesn't sing, and now you're trying to bring along a young team. This is not the kind of veteran that you want around young people in any way, shape, or form. That deal was one of the worst deals in the history of the Chicago Blackhawks, and when Mike Smith writes his memoirs about his time in Chicago, I have the title for that chapter, Disaster. So, kudos to Bob Pulford and Dale Talent for being able to get anything more than a roll of tape for this overpaid underachiever. Alexander Karpatshev is now the New York Islanders' problem. That will be be his last national hockey league stop and uh, he basically in my opinion was a disgrace to the uniform when he was a member of the chicago blackhawks as he leaves chicago i just have one sentiment for alexander Karpatsev. good riddance we are through two periods in new jersey so i'll say this
1: never have i heard a broadcaster go off on a player like this and you must note that alexander Karpatsev unfortunately died in a plane accident uh, so this obviously wasn't said while he, you know, after his passing, this wasn't said posthumously. This was said while Alexander was still uh, a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. So I don't want that to mar it for you. But man, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to talk about somebody and you're going to get it off and the team says it's because you don't do that without someone knowing. And if you do do that without someone knowing, then you've got um, a lot more security than a lot of people in television. So Pat Foley, as you ride off into the sunset, man, I will say this, much like a lot of uh, Chicago broadcasters of the old guard, you know, you weren't cookie cutter. You, you, you didn't come out of a factory where everybody sounds the same and your you're perfect imperfections, made you the truth to a lot of people who listen to you via via the radio or, of course, on the television side of things. Forty some odd years is a long time to do anything. Forty some odd years is a long time to take fans through the journey that is Blackhawks hockey. So we did this about a week ago and I'm going to do it again. Pat Foley, uh, congratulations, man, on a great career. uh, And congratulations to you on your future endeavors, because I know they will be worthwhile. Uh you, you served your time well here in the city of Chicago and you brought a lot of joy to a lot of people uh near and far. So Pat Foley, once again, man, congrats. It's the Full Go That's all the time we have for episode 90 of the Full Go podcast with Jason Goff. I want to thank our guests Kendall Gill and Will Perdue, former NBA players, I think you've heard of them, especially here in this city. I work with them as well and over at NBC Sports Chicago. I want to thank Lisa Byington, uh outstanding play by play announcer for the Milwaukee Bucks as well as all the other jobs that she has. Lisa's outstanding at, at what she does, and we appreciate her giving us some of her time. Uh, the, that Bucks-Bulls series, it's, it's going to get uh, tipped off here on Sunday, so we'll be talking about it shortly thereafter. Make sure you tune in to the VOLGO Podcast to get everything you need in terms of a recap from a Bulls perspective because, boy, oh, boy, if the last month has taught you anything, this one should be interesting. But I think the Bulls actually going to come out and give this one a go. There's no game to steal like game one. So we'll talk about game one uh, on Sunday right here on the Full Go Podcast. want to thank our production staff, of course, the active Jesse Lopez and the shadowy figure known as Steve Cerruti. For the fellas, I'm Jason Goff. Anytime you want to holler at us, come on, man, voicemail is open, 773-359-3103, 773-359-3103. want to thank you for doing everything that you do for this pod, whether you're downloading it, sharing it, rating and reviewing it, uh, subscribing to it. We appreciate all our subscribers out there. Whatever you do, passing along to a friend, a coworker, we truly appreciate the grassroots movement that has become us and the listenership. So for the fellas, I'm Jason. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here on the Full Go podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer and, of course, Spotify is the gang. As always, we leave you with this. Make sure you guys are out there take care of each other and be safe.
4: So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.
0: This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans at Empower, what's next? Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.